You've counted on restaurants and now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you food you're craving right now, right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be safely delivered right outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local restaurant, and your food will be left right at your door. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BASKETBALL. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code BASKETBALL. Don't forget, that's code BASKETBALL for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. Monday through Friday on the Athletic Podcast Network. Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executive in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's kind of awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. That's what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. Everybody, we don't have tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show. Here, as always, Sam Amick, National NBA Writer at The Athletic. Uh, Two of the best that we have in the business on the line to talk Clippers Nuggets Game 7. Nothing better than Game 7. We got Jovan Buha, the esteemed Clippers beat writer. Jovan, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Uh, Kendra Andrews, Nuggets beat writer extraordinaire. Uh, We were just talking offline, Kendra, about... The way you chronicled Game Six, your Nuggets are still doing this thing. The uh, the NDE, which is a phrase I didn't know, by the way, near death experiences, and you got into that in your piece. How are you, Kendra? Doing well. Appreciate you guys. There, like I said, there's nothing better than Game Sevens. Um, Jovan, let's start with you. As as great as they've been this year, they are always going to have that backdrop of they are still quote unquote the Clippers, and now they're getting some of that noise because they're they're dropping the ball and they've they've. Uh, drop these last two games here but how did that hit you yesterday it it was pretty jarring because some of the comments from them after game five were admitting that they hadn't taken this as seriously especially at the end of of game five um you know they they blow that uh 15 point second half lead Uh, overall they had a 16 point lead in that game and it it was the sixth time this season that they had blown a lead of 15 or more which was tied for the most in the NBA. And then Marcus Morris speaking uh, with us on Saturday was like, you know, sometimes we take our foot off the pedal. We, we, you know, we think we're better than we are, or we just look at how much talent we have on paper and we just kind of, you know, rest on that. But, you know, it's only happened a couple of times. We'll be fine. You know, sometimes you kind of need that to just kind of refocus yourself and, and get back into it. So, you know, that was their comments going into game six. And you saw that in the first half, you know, they had a really good first half, a 14 point halftime lead. They build this 19 point lead early in the third. Uh, Jamal Murray falls down and it looks like, you know, he might be injured or out for the rest of the game and looks like the Clippers are going to advance. And then 
almost an exact copy of the script uh, of game five. They end up blowing the lead in, in game six. Denver goes on this huge run in, in the third. They, they close the quarter out on a 22 to six run uh, and then end up taking control in, in the beginning of the fourth and uh, actually end up leading by double digits. And this one really felt like that game six against Houston in 2015, uh, where, where that the Clippers had the, uh, also a 19 point lead ended up losing that. And this actually tied that for the biggest blown lead uh, in, in a game to to go to the conference finals uh, since 1997. So, I mean, if you're the Clippers, once, okay, it happened, whatever, you know, we, 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 we let it happen twice. Now it becomes a little bit of a concern because anything can happen in a game seven. Jamal Murray can get hot, hit eight threes, score 40 points. And all of a sudden you're going home in, in the second round, blowing a 3-1 lead. And they're, you know, the, the window with Kawhi and PG, you don't know how long it's going to be. You know, the, the clock is ticking. Those guys are free agents next year. And, and your margin for error is basically non-existent. And I think it, it'd be one thing if they had lost those games. You know, they were close games, went down to the wire. Maybe Denver hits a game-winning shot or a couple plays don't go their way late. But to, to lose in this fashion, back-to-back times, you know, to, to blow 15 plus point leads, it's 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 embarrassing. It's concerning. Um, and I, I do think even if they somehow advance and, and you know, I, th- I think they'll be the favorite in game seven. I don't know how you feel good about them against the Lakers next round because they, they have not played well in the playoffs yet. They've not been consistent that they've blown three leads of 15 or more in the postseason. And I, I just I don't know. I, I think that there are a lot of concerns right now with this team. Good stuff there. Kendra, it's funny reading your piece today, and I'm going to actually kind of chronicle some of it here before I I throw it to you. It it really got into the psychology of these nuggets and the way that, as Jamal Murray has said several times, when their backs are against the wall, they play better. It's cliche, but it's true. And and the evidence continues to point to that. Five straight elimination games that they have won. You wrote here, and Yovan, I don't know if you had a chance to see Kendra's stuff, but it says here uh, from Kendra, a June article in The Atlantic analyzed the effects near-death experiences or NDEs have on the brain. Goes on to say the brain powered by the remaining neurons, scientists believe, does what it always does. Tells a story shaped by the person's experience, memory, and cultural ex- expectations. Produces a euphoria that can feel more like a spiritual experience. It sounds um, like at first you're reading it going, I don't know, is, is this a stretch? But I'll be honest, being in that gym. And, and watching these players and the way they compete in the zone they do get into, um, I think you were spot on. And Jamal, more than anybody, he might be, you know, we know that he's one of the streakiest players in the league, but the upside of that is, my God, when he gets it going, he gets it going. And, and he was fighting through stuff physically, and he still is. Um, but, Kendra, how did this hit you? This group, we need to, we, we got to get a nickname for these Nuggets because they've got <laughs> a, a really unique ability to, to fight and compete and not give up here. I mean, it's been pretty incredible to watch all season long, which I also talked a little bit about in that article. This has been a team that when they are counted out, they respond. You know, they had that regular season win in Utah when they only had seven active players and everyone was like, "Okay, it's a wash and they won. And then the other example I gave was. You know, on a back to back in Milwaukee, they arrived at four in the morning. You know, everyone's like, "Okay, again, the Bucks are going to walk all over them. And for some reason, the Nuggets just thrive in these situations where everyone is counting them out and no one believes that they can do it. And I think they prefer that than when people say, oh, well, it's obvious they're going to win. Because again, during the regular season, 
most of their losses came to teams that had a sub 500 record. What they've been able to do these past two series, even just going back to that first round against Utah, another comeback from down 3-1, it's pretty remarkable and unbelievable what this team has been able to put together. And now it's like they have this blueprint for how to come back from these situations. You know, I know that Doc Rivers in one of his press conferences says no one wants to be down 3-1. But I think the Nuggets have gotten so comfortable in this situation, in this environment, that it doesn't phase them as much as it would some other teams. And I think they're the complete opposite of the Clippers in the situation of, you know, Yovan was saying, there's such high expectations for what the Clippers are supposed to accomplish this postseason, right? You know, they are one of the title favorites. They are supposed to beat the Nuggets. They were supposed to do it in five games. The Nuggets had no expectations. They have nothing to lose. So when you have nothing to lose, there's nothing to stress over. If they lose game seven, they still blew everyone away from, you know, forcing a game seven, coming back from 3-1 to tie the series. And if they win... It's just an even bigger, oh my gosh, moment for the Nuggets. They exceeded what everyone expected of them. And I think playing with such low expectations from everyone else, it's allowing them to play so much freer. They're not overthinking things. They're not getting bogged down. They're moving the ball. They're just shooting and they're having fun. And that's when the Nuggets play their best basketballs, when they're having fun. And so I think it's been really interesting to see how they've, you know, kind of bottled up those emotions and let them play out over these past two series, but especially against a team like the Clippers. It sure was nice to see teams back out on the gridiron over the weekend. Like for us, it's just week one. There's no place better to get in on all the action than DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. To add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. Draft your lineup now and feel the sweat like never before. Every run, pass, and catch means more with DraftKings. It's simple. Just pick your lineup, stand to the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Nothing adds to the excitement of watching the game quite like having a shot at millions of dollars in prizes. DraftKings has paid out billions of dollars to winners since 2012, so they know a thing or two about cold, hard cash. Download the DraftKings app now and use the code RUN. For a limited time, new users get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the week two action. Enter the code RUN to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code RUN. Only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They're a very loose group. Uh, nothing seems to phase them. Even the other day, you know, a quasi quote unquote controversy. Michael Porter Jr. has all those, you know, comments about his role and when I saw that, I'm thinking, oh boy, Michael Malone is just going to destroy him. Um, and they kind of took it in stride. I know Michael spoke on it, but you know, like I put on our site in a real time app, um, yeah, everybody you talked to with the Nuggets just kind of shrugged, and it was like, ah, you know, it's media stuff. He he could have handled it better, but they moved on. 
Uh, yesterday, just to share a little color from the bubble for you guys, um, it was amazing to have a 1 p.m. game. So lo and behold, the game ends. We come back to right. Still daylight outside. So the NBA, to their credit, they actually threw like a little bit of a media party last night. It was the first time they'd done something like that since I'd been here. And media folks outside, socially distanced, but having beverages and doing our thing. And I look up and who do I see but Michael Malone on his bicycle flying by, <laughs> big old smile on his face. Yeah, he even shouted something about like, what is this happy hour? You know, and and we tried to get him to come over and he, he kept barreling through, but he was in a good place. Um, I, I'm so curious to see how tomorrow goes because for one, and I don't normally put this hat on, I'm not a, a, a kind of a conspiracy theory guy at all, but you, there's a lot of TV executives who are going to be very disappointed if it's Nuggets Lakers instead of <laughs> Lakers Clippers. You know what I mean? So, you know, I might have joked with Denver a little bit like, yeah, I don't know if that whistle is going to be on your side. But um, game seven, anything can happen. Jovan, let's drill down on the the culpability component with these Clippers right now, because, you know, I looked at yesterday's box. Uh, Paul George turns in a minus 23 um, we've talked a lot about Montrez's Harrell's minutes, which have been really bad. Lou Williams getting attacked defensively. Um, take me through kind of, you know, what's your short list of, of things that have got to get fixed here? Uh, number one, the, the, the Clippers supporting cast has completely deteriorated. And I, I think that is the most concerning part of all of this is that on paper, when you were comparing the Clippers to every other championship contender, be it the, the Lakers, the Bucks the Nuggets, the Rockets, whoever you want to pick, their one advantage in all of those matchups, aside from having Kawhi Leonard, who some consider the best player in the league, it was, okay, they have a couple stars, but they have all this depth. They have Lou Williams. They have Montrezl Harrell. They go out, get Marcus Morris at the trade deadline. Uh, you know, Zubats, Shamit, uh, down in the, the list. But that has not materialized in the postseason. And, you know, th- there always is some regression uh, of the bench. You know, no team ever really goes 10, 11 deep in the playoffs. It's always an eight or nine man rotation. But the Clippers have struggled some nights to even have a third guy crack double figures. And, and you know, this was the the, the first team uh, I, I want to say since I think the 77, 78 season to have four guys average more than 17 points. Uh, Kawhi, PG, Lou and Trez. And, you know, Lou missed the, the, the 10 day quarantine. Trez missed a month. Um, due to his grandmother's death and, and, you know, missed all the seeding games, came back for game one of the playoffs. So I really think just the lack of flow and rhythm with the supporting cast has really hurt this team. Because if you look at the numbers, Kawhi and PG are delivering. Like Kawhi has been Kawhi. PG has been up and down, obviously, and had some mental health struggles in the first round. But overall, PG has been pretty good. But it's the rest of the guys. I mean, Lou, yeah. uh, you know, has struggled to get 15 points consistently. Uh, Trez has been, you know, th- th- their worst rotation player. Uh, he, he, you know, Zubats and Morris have been good defensively, but inconsistent offensively. So you just look at this and this has not been the Clippers team we saw all season and, and we kind of expected in the postseason. It has been a lot of Kawhi and PG need to save us. And they're capable of doing that, but it just it hasn't been consistent. So I think the first thing is just the supporting cast showing up. And if you see a 25 point night from Lou Williams in game seven or a 15 to 18 point night from Marcus Morris. I, I like the Clippers odds, but that's for a second. The Montrezl Harrell minutes, they've just been getting destroyed in those. And not only in this series and the Dallas series and doc has continued to defend him. It's a tough situation. He's the sixth man of the year. He is, you know, in that locker room, an important voice, an important figure, but defensively he has no prayer of, of hanging with Nikola Jokic 
And, you know, Ivica Zubac has been scored on a lot by Jokic, but he's at least seven foot one. He's a really good rim protector. He's a good defender overall. He can at least bother Jokic. But but Trez, Jokic is literally just turning and shooting over him. So I think they need to either cut his minutes altogether or really reduce that to something like six to ten minutes only against Mason Plumlee. Because anytime he's been out there against Jokic, over the last two games, he's a minus 30 on the floor against Jokic. And I think that is a direct cause of just some of the Clippers' second unit struggles. Um, and third, I mean, real quick, Clippers, let me jump in, yeah, Jovan, just ahead. to because to paint a picture of Jokic and how comfortable he is, which is a problem, uh, especially a Clippers team that's so aggressive. And I know that the size and the big matchups that you just detailed, they do present problems. But I, I thought they would get into him more. But his line in this series, 25.8 points, uh, a pretty cool 53 percent from the field, 44 from long range and almost six attempts per game. Um, also giving them 12 boards and five and a half assists. I mean, that's just destruction. And that's the type of thing that, if again, if it happens in game seven, you know, maybe this Clippers team is, is kind of going bye-bye. I love my high student loan payment, said nobody ever. Check if refinancing with Ernest could help you lower your monthly payment. Checking just takes two minutes. If you've been making the same monthly payment on your student loan for the last couple years, odds are you could reduce your payment and save by refinancing with Earnest. Even if you refinanced before, with today's low rate environment, most people could save by refinancing again. Checking your new rate is fast and easy. To start, complete a few questions online. It takes only two minutes, and then you get a personalized rate estimate without affecting your credit score. Want to change your monthly payment? Combine many loans into one easy payment or get a better rate? Earnest makes it easy. Plus, there's no origination fee or any other fees. Plus, the internet loves Earnest customer service. They're rated a 9.4 out of 10 on Trustpilot. And now you can get $100 cash bonus when you refinance your loan with earnest.com slash hoops. Once again, that's $100 cash bonus when you refinance your loan at earnest.com slash hoops. Not available in all states. Visit earnest.com slash hoops for more details. Terms and conditions apply. Earnest Student Loan Refinance Loans are made by Earnest Operations, LLC, NMLS, 1204917. California Financing Law License Number, 6054788. 303 2nd Street, Suite 401N, San Francisco, California, 94107. For a full list of licensed states. Hi, I'm Tass Mellis from No Dunks on the Athletic. As the great philosopher Brian of the Backstreet Boys once said, Everybody, yeah, hydrate your body, yeah, everybody, hydrate your body, right? Hydration's back, all right. We all know we have to stay hydrated. I've used an app, a big water bottle, post-it notes, and proper hydration is extremely important right now. It can really help your immune system. Believe it or not, dehydration occurs daily in three out of four people. With Liquid IV, you have the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Each serving helps you get as much hydration as two to three bottles of water. I like using Liquid IV when I hit that afternoon lull. Instead of grabbing a coffee, I grab one stick of the lemon-lime, put it in my water, and I get the energy boost I need without dehydrating my body and getting dry mouth. 
It's win-win because it contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana. Oh, my mate Lily would love it. It's healthier than sugary sports drinks with no artificial flavors or preservatives and less sugar than an apple. Liquid IV is available nationwide at Costco and Target. Or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code ATHLETIC at checkout. That's 25% off anything you order when you use promo code ATHLETIC at liquidiv.com. Get better hydration today at liquidiv.com, promo code ATHLETIC. And defensively, Jokic has been really good. Um, you know, I, I would personally say he's been the best player in the series. I think he's been better than Kawhi. But the third thing I was just going to say is I think a trend in, in both game five and game six in the second half was the Clippers offense stagnating. Um, you, you just saw a lot of ISO play, a lot of one-on-one stuff, um, a, a lot of just kind of almost waiting out the clock in, into getting some inefficient shots with, with the clock uh, dwindling down. So I think the Clippers just need to get that pace and that flow back that they've had in the first halves of these games. Um, guys have missed a lot of open shots. I, Lou Williams and Landry Shamit are six of 40 on threes this series. Um, th- those two guys have been their best spot up shooters throughout the season. And now, you know, they can't hit anything. So I do think that the Clippers could have some progression to the mean in game seven. Maybe the role players show up and the supporting cast helps them. But uh, there's no reason to suggest that is going to happen because we now have 12 games of the supporting cast struggling. Uh, So I do think, you know, I am leaning towards the Clippers winning game seven just because I trust Kawhi. I think he's going to have a big game. But there is some cause for concern, and especially if they do advance. I, you know, I, I think the Lakers matchup is looking pretty tough for them. Kendra, um, I want to get your perspective on Jamal. Uh, I just find him to be a really interesting person, really interesting player, and a guy who, I mean, he's had some really profound moments within the bubble. Um, you know, his his post-game interview with Jared Greenberg on TNT was powerful stuff in the last round. Um, and, you know, his back and forth with Donovan Mitchell was special. And then last night um, – Something that really got my attention is in the second half as they were roaring back and Jamal's hitting big shots and you could see the Clippers tightening up. Jamal, during a break, comes over and sits down near the bench. And, I mean, he puts his head down like somebody who just ran a marathon and just looked absolutely exhausted. And people were checking on him. And I know he is banged up. I mean, he got he took a really solid shot to the body that I know was uh, was hurting him yesterday. In, in non-bubble times, you're around him a lot and you've gotten to know him and, and we're seeing him mostly at his best in these playoffs. How has his uh, part in this whole situation hit you? I mean, he's been phenomenal. I think one of the biggest things that has stuck out about Jamal to me, especially over this last series, is of course against the Jazz, he had his breakout moment, you know, with those two 50-point games against Donovan, you know, against Donovan Mitchell and going back and forth. That was the first like time that I think we all, and correct me if you guys don't agree, but that we all said, okay, he has the potential to be at least an all-star caliber oh, sure. player, whether he <laughs> makes the all-star team or not. 50 do. That's, uh, that's, that's, that's <laughs> an unwritten rule. You drop 50 pieces, right. then, then you're in that category. Right. It's like whether he makes it or not, the, the West is so stacked with guards, but it's just about being in the conversation. But what stuck out to me in this series is that we knew that Jamal Murray was probably not going to be able to do the, the 50 pieces again 
because the Clippers from the get were just and have been just hounding him with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, you know, just this steady rotation of really strong defensive players. And it stifled Jamal a little bit because he's always been the pure shooter, the pure scorer. That was his thing. And over the past several games, we have seen him learn how to get involved and be effective without scoring in big volumes. He has learned, you know, he was always playing off the pick and roll and he's now learning how to do things that don't involve the pick and roll. And he's he's learning how to get to the basket more aggressively and not just taking three pointers or shots, which I he knew how to do. But now he is forced to do it if he wants to be a factor in this series. And so I think he has taken so many huge steps forward in just the playoffs in general from, you know, proving that he can be a consistent scorer like he was in round one. Do I think that he's going to be scoring at that volume all the time? Absolutely not. But he can at least be consistent with that. And then in this round two, it's that he has other tools. He doesn't, he can be effective with when he's not scoring 25, 30, 40, 50 points per game, which will be so big for this team moving forward. You know, he signed that max contract last summer. So he's going to be with this team for the foreseeable future. So it's so important that their point guard learns these things of how to be effective. The other thing that I already knew about him from covering him this past year, but I think other people are learning is Sam, you mentioned, you know, he's sitting there with his head in between his legs. He, of course, had that huge hit against Paul George, who landed on top of him. Um, Today, Coach Malone told us, he goes, Jamal told him during the game, Coach, if you take me out right now, I don't think I will be able to come back in. If my adrenaline stops pumping, I'm probably just going to have to call it quits. So keep me in. He is that he will never. It's going to take I forget which player said this the other day, but it's going to take like multiple broken ribs for Jamal Murray to say, I need to come out of the game. Yeah, it was Jokic. Yeah. Yeah. He Jamal Murray is a fighter, you know, during the regular season. Where does that come from? Because, again, you know his story and yeah. his relationship with his dad, obviously, is kind of well chronicled. But <laughs> yeah. I'm re- I'm telling you, the grit is is really unique. Any any thoughts on where it comes from? I mean, I think part of it definitely comes from his dad and the way that his dad not only raised him as a person, but worked with him as a basketball player. You know, there's stories of when he was growing up in Canada, he'd just shoot, have to shoot free throws, free throws, free throws. And as soon as he missed one, his dad would say, okay, this many push-ups or this many laps around the block or whatever it is, rain, snow, sun, whatever it is, you're, we are going to continue to work. I think that that from a young age then just carried over. And I mean, he talks to his dad all the time during the regular season, Jamal Murray sprained his ankle and he was, he missed a handful of games and then he came back and he admitted to us that he's still not 100%, but he would talk to his dad and his dad, you know, would of course, wouldn't force him to do anything that he wasn't comfortable to do, but just reminded him of what he is capable of, you know, challenged him to, to see, where he could take himself without further injuring 
him. And so I think that then, you know, he goes to Kentucky and that's just kind of even more ingrained in him there. And I think that's that's just now how his his psyche is. He does not like to quit. It's going to take something really, really big for him to to, you know, go to the bench and sit if he's not feeling good. And I think that that has completely bled into all of the other Nuggets players. I think that especially in Will Barton's absence, Will had always been the heart and soul of this team. And I think in his absence, Jamal Murray has filled that role for the Nuggets here in the playoffs. Right. Right. Good stuff. Um, Jovan, I want to do the hypothetical here because game seven, again, means anything can happen. What if the Clippers lose? You know what I mean? Somebody asked me yesterday, like, is Doc in trouble? And I said, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't know if you agree or disagree on that front, but like, you know, you, you already set the stage for this question because the stakes are so high because you, Kawhi and Paul having two years guaranteed going to be free agents next off season. Um, what might the fallout be in your opinion, if they lose and if they lose, what does it say about, uh, their connectivity about who they are culturally as a team? Because even doc the other day, Yovan talked about, and kind of admitted that we are a group that continues to learn one another and is, you know, getting better on the fly, but they have not been together that long. And, and again, we, you know, we've written stuff about, you know, kind of this process of meshing the old and the new within their locker room. You had Lou and Pat, um, uh, you know, and Montrez being part of the old guard. And then you bring in these two absolute rock stars and, and it, it was working up until a couple games ago. Uh, but, you know, what if they, uh, they don't get this job done? Well, I I mean, they're in a tough spot because I don't think there is much they can necessarily do um, with just, you know, the assets they've given up. They don't have a lot of young talent that's necessarily like guys like Avita Zubats and Landry Shamit, while solid role players are probably more important to the Clippers than they would be to other teams. You know, maybe the other teams see value in them and give something up. Uh, but I just don't see those guys necessarily netting anything significant in a potential trade. So, you know, and then they've traded all their picks to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, for the foreseeable future. So they are kind of locked into this core for the most part. Um, I, I do think whether they win or lose, and this is pure speculation here, this is just me reading the tea leaves as I see them. Uh, I, I don't think Montrezl Harrell is going to be back next season. I think with the his play in the postseason, uh, which I, I think for people who followed this team closely, there was some concern of, OK, when, when Trez plays against the better teams, he does get exposed defensively. You know, he, he's not a, a plus rebounder. Um, he, he is a, a little bit of a one note guy offensively. He's going to roll a lot. He, he has a, a solid post game. But against the Joel Embiid, Rudy Gobert types like those guys just eat, eat him up. So I, I think you know, kind of projecting out with, with the money he's going to want, which, you know, to me would be somewhere in that 15 to 18 million range. I don't even know if there's going to be a suitor at that level for him now with the way the salary cap is going to be with the available teams with cap space. Um, but I'd be shocked if the Clippers, you know, re-signed him at that price. So now you're maybe looking at like that 10 to 12 million range for him. And, and still with the way he's played in this postseason, I don't know if the Clippers are going to want to resign him at that figure. So um, I do think they're going to move on from him, most likely, whether they win or lose. Uh, but but I think the, the the one domino that you could maybe see if they lose would be potentially trading Lou Williams 
and, and reshaping the bench because the bench has really struggled in, in the postseason. Uh, Lou, in particular, is a guy who has historically struggled in the postseason. If you look at his postseason numbers, every year it's he, he's you know three to five points fewer. Uh, there, there's a big decrease in his field goal percentage when already he's not necessarily an efficient guy. So Lou, as, as an aging guy who's hitting his mid thirties, has never really played defense. I think that would be the second piece they, they potentially move on from. Um, but otherwise, like th- this team kind of is what it is. Like I, I think they'll re-sign Marcus Morris. I, I think they'll look for a, another backup point guard, another backup center. But there isn't really much they can do. Uh, I don't really see a big trade in their future. Uh, but I, you know, I mean, I think to your point about the chemistry and the continuity, like, you know, we wrote about it and, uh, you know, the, the team didn't necessarily agree with what we said, but I think that's bore out with, with the way this has gone. And, I, you know, the team has even said at times they don't have the chemistry and continuity they were hoping to have at this point. I mean, they've played fewer than 20 games together, uh, you know, up to this point in the season, uh, fully healthy. And I just think at some point, like that comes back to haunt you, you know, like, uh, the, well, and the, Doc's made the point too, uh, cause we are super guilty of overlooking the nuggets. And, and when Michael Malone talks about for how sure. they were second in the West and it, it really it boggles their minds because, you know, it's pretty easy to look at the standings and see that they were right there with the Clippers. Um, so we overlooked them, but the thing that Doc highlighted was that nuggets core, even though we might overlook them, uh, we missed the fact that they've got continuity. They have guys who have been doing this for several years together now and been reasonably healthy. That's the other thing that, that obviously is hurting the Clippers now is the different things they dealt with during the regular season. They didn't have their entire group together. These nuggets, you talk about culture, connectivity. I mean, Kendra, they have it in spades, right? Like they love each other. They are tight. They uh, Even Michael Malone, who I'm happy for because I like him a lot. Uh, I'd be lying if I didn't admit that a couple of years ago, I just his reputation was that he was so intense and such a grinder that in today's NBA, you wondered if that was sustainable for you know more than a couple of years. Well, these guys, they go to battle for him every single night and continue to swear by him. Um, that's the kind of vibe. And I keep going back to that word connectivity that, that you don't see from the Clippers all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think that's been a huge uh feather in their cap this series is that they do know each other so well. They know how to get each other going. They know when to call people out. I think going back to what Sam, you mentioned about those Michael Porter Jr. comments and how the team reacted to them. I think the fact that, yes, of course, he probably shouldn't have said it to the media, but the fact that Coach Malone has created an environment where his players can at least, you know, they should go, they, they, they can go to the coaches. They can talk to the team about, from my point of view, this is what I see we're doing wrong. Whether the coaching staff agrees with him or not, that's a whole other thing, but he's at least created an environment where everyone's voice, even this rookie's voice can be heard. I think says a lot, you know, I think the way that Malone has stuck with his guys is, is pretty, Great. You know, Gary Harris missed a lot. He missed all of the the seeding games. He missed half of that Utah series. He comes back for one game and then poof like that. He has his starting rollback. He, he, you know, Paul Millsap has not been doing great. And yet Malone sticks with him in that starting lineup. You know, he's he's very loyal to his players. Um, His players trust him. And it's it's definitely been a good recipe for them as of late. Yeah. And, and I enjoy a lot of the people in that group. Um, another little slice of bubble color uh, for your team, Kendra. Um, 
And I don't think, uh, you know, Nuggets PR guru, Nick O'Hare is going to mind me sharing this story. But <laughs> last night, Nick, so Nick handles PR for the Nuggets uh, and, you know, fantastic guy. And he was at our little media shindig and he gets a face, uh, FaceTime call and it's Mason Plumley um, calling to tell him he's late for his game of Catan inside the bubble. <laughs> so these are the kinds of things that they're doing to entertain themselves. I was also super offended because he turns the phone and he has Mason say hello to, I think it was Rebecca Harlow uh, and Cassidy Hubbard. And then he didn't continue the FaceTime over to me. And I was like, why you got to only <laughs> say hello to the TV people? Like, what about us writers? Come on now. That's but, funny. you know, they even that little nuance, like it's a mm -hmm. role player on the team that's playing a board game with a PR guy. Like they they seem to be a, a pretty tight knit group. Um, let's wrap it with this. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, the age old prediction game. Um, how do you guys see this? Ending, Yovan, you kind of tipped your hand already. You said you trust Kawhi, and and you think that he's going to be the the ultimate factor here. But what do you think happens here in Game Seven? Well, last time Kawhi was in a Game Seven was against the Sixers in the same round uh, last season. He scored forty one points on thirty nine shots and hit one of the most iconic game winning buzzer beaters in NBA history. Uh, I don't necessarily expect a repeat performance. Uh, but I, I do think oftentimes game sevens, they're ugly. I mean, just go back to the, the Nuggets game seven last round. Um, you know, things really grind to a halt. It's all about execution. It's all about who can just put up. I mean, I think this, this is going to be a low scoring game, probably in the nineties or something. And, um, you know, both defenses are going to be really locked in. And I, I just think I tend to favor the, the team with the better player. And while he hasn't necessarily been the best player in the series, I think it's been neck and neck with him and Nikola Jokic. Um, I do trust Kawhi Leonard, two-time champion, two-time finals MVP, um, and arguably the best player in the world. So um, I know that's a, a little bit reductive and uh, you know not necessarily a nuanced take, but I, I am going to uh, I'm going to lean towards the Clippers and Kawhi, uh, but I don't feel great about it. <laughs> well, I like the kicker. That's perfect. Andrew, what do you think? I mean, I mean, I agree with you, Yvonne, that no matter what prediction, I don't feel 100%. We were talking about that <laughs> briefly earlier. Just it's 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 going to be hard to pick. And and I I, I am going to give it to the Nuggets. I, I do believe a bit in momentum and I think momentum is definitely shifting towards them. You know, I think just based on how these last two games have gone, the Nuggets, you know, have, have really shown themselves. And that's not to say that the the Clippers will play as they did in game seven, like how they did in games five and six. Um, but I don't see the Nuggets backing off anymore. So the pressure is on the Clippers to step up. I, so I'm, I'm going to go with the Nuggets. Um but again, it's it's it could go either way. Yeah, I mean, of course, it's it's a crapshoot here. Um, I'm I'm also a sucker for momentum, and it's funny. I have mixed emotions here, as you guys know. We don't root for anybody. We we definitely root for stories, and we root for you know things that would be entertaining to cover. And so where I'm torn is that I'm going to pick the Nuggets, and I'm going to say momentum. Uh, and, and to your point, Yovan, about Kawhi being the best player in the series and one of the best, if not the best, in the league. You know, he gave him a 36 piece in game five and that wasn't enough. So and that was with nine boards and four assists. He can't do it by himself. And if the Nuggets can, you know, recreate what they did in the last two second halves, 
Um, I've got them, you know, maybe pulling this thing off. The part of me that where the mixed emotions comes into play, I'd be lying if I didn't admit that, like, I was very excited to cover Lakers Clippers all year long. You know what I mean? Like to see those two teams in the next round would be incredible. But this Nuggets group has something special. I think they can get the job done. And what's funny about the discussion about pressure, and I see what they're doing, and they want to say the Clippers have all of it and they have none of it. And they're mostly right. But it's it's hard to reconcile that perspective with the, the other side, which is, Kendra, you already hit on it. Like, they have extremely high opinions of themselves, and they legitimately saw themselves all season long as you know a team that could beat anybody and a team that – uh, as much as they've gained people's respect all through the playoffs and certainly the last two games, if they lose game seven, like they're not going home saying, hey, gosh, wasn't that fun? You know, we tried and we got it to a game. So they're going to be crushed because this this is a, you know, conference finals and beyond team in, in their own minds. And they're, you know, they're showing that they're capable of that right now. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to be shocked if they pull this off. Um, and again, I'm repeating myself, but you know, the officiating is going to be a huge factor and I'm going to be watching that closely. Uh, it's, you know, the league has had ratings problems, uh, of late, as you guys know, and they would absolutely love for this thing to be Lakers Clippers, but that's why you play the game. If you come out and and punch them in the mouth and get off to a good start, then none of the, you know, the whistle's not going to matter. So we'll see. It should be a lot of fun. Thank you guys so much for sharing your perspective on your squads. You're doing a great job in a challenging situation. Not easy to cover this stuff from home and not be here. So um, enjoy tomorrow and thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us.